Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be discussing totems, how to create a relationship with yours, and how they are an embodiment of the Akashics. Like many words, totem has developed layers of meaning over time, which proves it's still relevant and part of a living spirituality, but which makes using it problematic. We've all experienced this at one time or another, having a conversation about something and realizing somewhere in the middle that you're meaning one thing and the other person means something else entirely, so you've been misunderstanding each other completely. Totems, to some people, are simply a cool thing to have, They have about the same relevance as knowing a birth sign in astrology. You can go your whole life and do nothing more with a totem than mention it in casual conversation or use it as a part of flirting. Or a totem can be a handy excuse why you do something or don't, do something a certain way or don't, or get along with this type of person or don't. Other people see totems as a part of their spirituality. They incorporate their totem or totems into their spiritual knowledge of self to varying degrees of interest and comfort. Working with a totem this way is the spiritual version of you get out of it what you put in. People can start with learning they have a specific totem, then choose if they want to learn about this totem, how much, and beyond that, look at how much of the accumulated wisdom they want to incorporate into their lives. Along the way, they'll come to realize that, like all mirrors, the totem reflects them and thereby allows them to learn more about themselves. Indigenous tribes of North and South America work with totems on a variety of levels, starting with clans. Clans, which are extended and complicated families, have totems. These totems are a complex and rich means of representing to the world who the clan is, and how they perceive and operate within the world. This information is key to many things, such as communication, cooperation, and interconnection. Someone from a dog or wolf clan is going to get along fairly well with a raven or a crow clan, but might have more difficulties with a bear or eagle clan, per se. Within each clan, the individual has a totem or totems. Popular culture has fostered the notion each person has only one, and for some reason the person must go on a quest to discover what it is, somewhat like an English knight of King Arthur's court having to go in search of the Holy Grail. While each tribe has different practices, none I know of have any practice like this. Totems are something we are born with. Like names, parents don't bestow them on children. Children discover them on their own and then reveal them to others when and if they feel they should. In my tribe, each person has seven primary totems, one for each of the seven realms, four-legged, winged, swimmer, creepy-crawler, herb, tree, and stone. To understand what a totem truly is, the first thing to recognize is in saying you have a totem, you're referring to a relationship in the same way you would say you have a spouse, a significant other, or children. It's not a statement of ownership, but of connection. 
To have a totem is to have a relationship with another being who can be a best friend, mentor, therapist, playmate, companion, mirror, and much more. Totems are beings who can work with us in a variety of ways. In the Akashics, as guides to us like other spiritual support, and also in the physical, manifesting as visions or connecting with representations of themselves here. For example, someone with deer totem might see deer in their dreams as a means of confirming a decision they have made, may have them show up during Akashic work to lead them in an unexpected or advantageous direction, or may find they are never lost in the wild because they can always find a deer or elk or moose path which leads them to their destination. A deer might cause traffic snarls which prevent them from getting into negative situations or may appear in their yard to tell them their fears about a something are unfounded or greatly founded, depending. On another level, totems are keys to the nature we are expressing in this particular embodiment. A person who has skunk totem will have a very sweet, loving, and even gregarious personality. They will enjoy the company of others, but not appreciate even well-meaning advice. They will have boundaries which are very clearly defined, but these will more than likely be nonverbal. They will be in gestures, in facial expressions, in body postures, and in the type of clothes or accessories they're wearing. This type of person will be flexible to a point, but once a boundary has been crossed, their reaction will be swift and nuclear, as it were. This can seem like overkill to those on the receiving end, and they will be constantly told by others they are overreacting. But in reality, they are being true to themselves and the situation. The lesson is to believe a skunk person the first time they warn you, and have a healthy respect for their boundaries. Even bears and wolves know to keep their distance from their skunk cousins and play with them respectfully. Working with a totem is a bit like getting a tattoo. There are two general reasons for getting a tattoo if you're doing so for a spiritual purpose. One is to represent and honor something within the self. A good example of this is the semicolon tattoo. This has become a symbol for those who have suffered with depression, which has led to suicidal thoughts or actions, and is spearheaded by Amy Bluell and Project Semicolon. I find the symbol rather elegant in its depth and simplicity. The semicolon is punctuation which is used in place of a period. Where the writer might have ended the thought, instead they place a semicolon as a pause and then the thought continues. The tattoo is a reminder to the wearer and those who might see it that their life did not end, but paused for a moment and they have chosen to continue. It is both an acknowledgement that the thought or desire or need to end occurred, and more continues afterwards, as well as a promise that should the thought or desire or need return, there is more to come, and things will get better. It is a reminder to reach out, to connect, and that help is available. The tattoo reflects the internal in an external form, creating balance. 
The second reason for getting a tattoo is aspirational. Like someone seeking peace or strength or hope in their lives, having a symbol for these added to the exterior of their body through tattoo. It is a way to influence the inner by changing the outer. This can be an antidote to bullying or negative messaging from a family of origin. If someone has been told they are weak or stupid or a failure, they may get tattooed with the opposite message and then seek to discover this truth within themselves. If they wish to stretch into something new, to become, to embrace more, they may tattoo messages or representational symbols onto themselves, so they consciously and unconsciously add this into their sense of identity. People who receive messages in dream time will sometimes tattoo the image onto themselves in order to honor and more fully embody the message on a variety of levels. In this same way, totems can be both representational or aspirational. Totems come to us because they are a reflection of what we already are, but also because they are a promise of what we can become if we are willing to engage in the work. There are a number of ways in which to start working with a totem. But first, you'll need to discover who your totems are. The easiest way to know is if you collect something. If you have a pig, horse, cow, cat, dog collection of some kind, please not the real animals unless you're a certified and licensed rescue, then you know what your primary totem is. If you don't already have an urge to collect, which is a big arrow pointing directly at your totem, then you'll need to ask. If you've taken my Akashic Records Level 1 class, then you'll know what your winged is. You can ask your animal guide or your winged to tell you who your primary totem is, or you can invite them to meet you in your room and discover them that way. You can also do this type of invitation in Embodied Life. If you have a favorite hike or park, you can go there with the specific intention of meeting your totem. Safely, please. If you think your totem might be a bear, you'll want to come back in one piece. When I'm working with students in person, I take them on hikes to a particular park I know. It's full of all kinds of birds, from raptors like eagles and hawks, to water birds like geese, duck, egrets, even great blue heron. It has all kinds of small birds as well as rabbits, chipmunks, squirrels, and hosts herds of deer to the frustration of the local farmers. It has also had a small bear from time to time, which was notable for eating cherries and leaving its scat full of pits in the middle of hiking trails to mark its territory. Going to this park with the intention of the student meeting their totem sends out the message to the totem and there is usually a remarkable response. While I might see smaller animals if I were alone, or eagles if I go to the far side of the island, with the student present, we will meet multitudes of whatever totem is being called by them, and it will happen so often and so blatantly there is no means of ignoring the fact. I provide another means of discovering your totem in my Find Your Calling in the Akashics class. One of the lessons is designed specifically to provide this introduction, and the next gives you access to work with your totem directly in the Akashics, where they can speak with you in your primary language, and where you can meet others who are studying with this particular totem. 
I also work one-on-one with students who wish to learn what their primary totem is and what it means for them. Once you have discovered your totem, the next step is to learn about them. Most people think this refers to learning about the spiritual connotations of what they symbolize. But this is leaping ahead a bit. Before you can understand what spiritual meanings the totem has, you first need to learn what and who it is. This means doing research on the actual animal as it manifests in embodied life, including learning what is its natural habitat, what it eats, how it acquires what it eats, who eats it, what it does to protect itself, who it enjoys interacting with, and who it repels. Another important facet is what part it plays in the ecosystem it inhabits. For instance, someone who has bald eagle as a totem needs to know it's connected with water and coastlines. The native name for it translates to fish eagle, and it is mighty but lazy, preferring to steal from others if it can and only hunting on its own when it has to. This is very different from golden eagle, which is found on almost every continent and is land-based. The same can be said of owl. There's a great difference between someone who's connected with pygmy owl versus the eagle owl of South America, which is comparable in size to an actual eagle, if not bigger in some instances. Someone could have owl as their totem, but each type of owl will have message and meaning for them, which teaches them new aspects of the totem and of themselves. Another example of this is someone with snake medicine. Snakes are fairly ubiquitous, living not only on land, but doing well in both fresh and salt water. However, they have very specific connections and difficulties in places like Ireland or other islands where snakes have either never been or have been eradicated. And any place with a large mongoose population will be especially problematic, not just symbolically. If the mongoose is there, then people with mongoose totem will be there as well. And a culture supporting mongoose is not going to work well with someone who is coming from a snake perspective. Once you've learned the basics, and as you learn more, you will find you are called to work with your totem in your life, or it will make itself more and more known to you. I think of this as the beginning of the relationship in earnest. For indigenous people, this includes not only working with their totem in the Akashics, but inviting them into their daily lives. I once met a woman who had snake tattooed on herself in seven different places. Each one of the tattoos was a living representation of the totem, and she considered them sacred. Touching them without permission was disrespectful, and she would need to smudge and do prayers in order to bring herself back into harmony with her totem after such an event. Others decorate items they use on a daily basis with images of their totems. It is common for Native people to bead, carve, or paint images of their totems on their personal things, to invite their presence as well as indicate the nature of the relationship. Another aspect of a totem relationship is to go and experience the animal directly. Sometimes the totem you work with isn't one local to where you live. I've known students to go to Alaska in order to, safely, experience bears in the wild catching salmon during the spawning season. Others will travel to Asia in order to interact with elephants, Africa to work with cheetahs, or go on eco-tours of various kinds depending on the totem and the amount of contact desired. 
Some are called to workshops where they learn to work with horses or other domesticated animals, learning tracking skills in order to interact with wild animals closer to home, and take trips to the zoo. I personally volunteered with the raptor rehabilitation program years ago in order to get close contact and experience with a variety of raptors, in addition to my trips to see them in my local area. Of course, the spiritual aspects are important as well. For my beginning students, I recommend Ted Andrews' book Animal Speak and Jamie Sam's Medicine Cards. These are reference guides that give detailed yet fairly generic information about a large variety of animals, and so should be used as a starting point for understanding the spiritual nature of any particular totem. Each totem has many layers and facets of wisdom to share. The totems themselves will be able to fill you in further on what they mean to you, and what they are attempting to teach you as you go along. For instance, Crow teaches about the need to clean up other people's messes from emotional drama all the way to refurbishing antiques. But it is also the keeper of the Book of Spirit. And there is only one law written in that book. Trust Spirit. Mouse teaches about paying attention to the details so you can build the life you want with your own two hands but it also cautions about paying too much attention or you won't see what is around you until it's too late. Deer teaches about being sensitive, but it also teaches about being a warrior. Like someone who carries a knife, deer knows when to run and when to charge in. Totems, like us, are bridges between the Akashics and embodied life. Because of this, They have a unique part to play in our lives, because they understand fully and completely both here and there. They can work with us both in the Akashics and here in our embodied lives, and help us to live them more fully and completely. They can walk beside us as we walk our path, and help guide us so we stay on it, or keep us safe while we take alternative routes. They can help us learn and explore our capabilities while supporting us in discovering where we have more to learn and become. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be talking about how one of the best things you can do for yourself in a relationship is recognize when it should end. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to rate it five stars on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.